Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, I feel kind of like we've already had some church. <laughs> but, you know, you, you washed your face and combed your hair and came out, so you might as well get the whole thing, get the, eat the whole roll. Uh, look with me in uh, Matthew, please, the 11th chapter, and uh, you said you're believing with me, right? Yes, Matthew 11, verse 28, the words of Jesus, the Master. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Can he do it? Does he have the power to do it? We see here in this and the next couple of verses. The answer to anyone. Who is stressed. And overloaded. You believe it or not? The answer is here. Come to me. So many times people don't do that. They'll go everywhere except to him. Huh? But he said, come to me. Hmm? That's not the same as coming to your spouse. Or coming to your pastor. Not the same. Come to me, he said. All of you that are, let's look at it again, that are laboring, that's that's fatiguing toil. And the result of that is being tired. And so many people are not just tired in body, they're tired in mind. They're tired inside. And no amount of sleeping and resting will fix that because it's not physical. You have to stop the thing that's fatiguing you mentally and emotionally. He said, come to me, all of you that are toiling and being fatigued and that feel like that you've got too much on you. You're too loaded. And I will not put more on you. He'll what? He will relieve you. He will give you rest. Verse 29. Here's here's how you do it. Here's how it's going to happen. Take my yoke upon you. Why would he need to say that? Because if you are or I am fatigued, stressed out, overwhelmed, we took some other yoke beside his. And the thing is, the enemy is so deceptive. He will try to convince you that you're bearing a load for the Lord when he's the one that put this on you. 
And the only reason he could do it is because you let him put it on you instead of resisting it and casting it off. Uh, You know, we spent several minutes in the beginning of the service getting it off. Don't let him put it back on. Oh, hallelujah. The Spirit of God is here. He's doing things. He's working in, in the spirit, he's working in hearts, he's working in minds. Why would, we, why would we, we be talking about this? Why would the Lord have us to be talking about this? Because he is here to relieve you. He is here to loose you and release you and relieve you from the things that have been pushing you down. Into the ground. Stressing you. You don't have to carry that load. Yes, yeah, but that's it's my responsibility. I'm, I'm, I'm the man of the house. I'm, I'm the mama. I'm, I'm the provider. No, you are not the provider. Amen. No, you're not. You're supposed to do what you, you, you do. But you're not the provider. That's too big for you. Well, I, I got to get my healing. I got to get my healing. You're not the healer. That's right. That's right. Huh? You can't heal yourself. Amen. We got to, we got to, we got to get and we got to do and we got to, we got to. Not necessarily. <laughs> but taking the care of it and taking the load of it is not taking his yoke. Because his yoke, what did he say? My yoke. Take my yoke. Not every yoke is his yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Do do we need to learn of him? Oh, oh, do we? People have learned junk and called it God. There's so much junk that religious people and even church people believe, but it's not him. It's a replacement for him. Learn about me, he said. Keep reading. And, And what is it we should learn about you, Lord? I am meek and lowly in heart. Other translations say humble. Humble. Now, masses of people read right over this. They go, yeah, isn't that sweet? Jesus is sweet. But God, I got to get some help. You got to help me. He just told you how to get help. You got to learn about him. You got to learn who he is, what he is. How he works. You got to learn about his yoke. And of all the things he could have said. He could have said I'm I'm love. He could have said I'm power. He could have said I'm peace. He could have said all kind of things that would have been true. But that's not the key to getting de-stressed. 
and unloaded. What's the key to getting de-stressed and unloaded? You got to learn who he is, not what the religious theologians say about him, who he said he is. What did he say? I am humble. I'm humble. I'm meek. Now, there's such a, and this is because the enemy has, has done it, people despise meekness. They think it's not being strong. They think you only have to be humble if you can't overpower something. <laughs> then you got to humble yourself and ask for help. It's only because you're weak. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you don't think humility is a giant part of who Jesus is, you don't know him. Here he says it. Could he have emphasized 10,000 other things? When he says, you need to learn about me. Who and what I am. Well, man, we ought to all be all ears. Yes, Lord. Who are you? What are you like? I'm humble. Oh, you're humble. Yes. And keep reading. I'm humble. Lowly in heart. And what will happen if you, if you learn this? What will happen? You will find Ah, you you will get de-stressed, you will get unloaded, you will get free, you'll get full of peace, you'll get full of joy, because you found out about him, not religion, him, and you find out about who he really is, not a religious notion. You found out about humility. This has been a great desire of mine since I was a a boy. To find out about what humility is. Because the best I can remember is the first revelation I ever received from the Holy Spirit that I remember. As a boy, I got it in my heart and mind to read the Bible. And uh, I started in Genesis. And I guess I don't know. What was I? I don't know exactly. Nine, ten, something like that, I guess. And I got to Numbers 12.3. Genesis, Exodus. Got the Numbers. Put it up if you would. Numbers 12.3. And it says, now the man Moses was very meek. Did you know that Moses is a type of Jesus? He said, a prophet like to me will come. Moses said that. And Jesus is that prophet that came, that fulfilled that. And he's a type of it. The man Moses was what? 
very meek. Now, depending on which word you're looking at, a lot of times these words, this could be used interchangeably with what we call humility. Very meek, a lot of translations will say humble. And it wants you to know above all the men that were on the face of the earth, there was not another human being on the planet through Moses' whole life who was less proud and more humble than him. Why is this significant? Most Christians just look at it and go, isn't that sweet? Moses is a great guy. No, it's so much more than that. The Lord, as I sat there and read it, I'm a boy sitting in the chair reading the Bible for the first time. The Spirit of God spoke inside me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but I mean, here I am many decades later, several decades later, and I remember it distinctly. The Spirit of God spoke in my heart and said, did you notice Moses was the meekest man in his generation. I thought, yeah, I sure did. It stood out to me. I thought, yeah. He said, do you also realize Moses was the most used man of me in his generation? And I thought to myself, no, I did not realize that. And so, in my youth, I said, Lord, teach me about humility. And as the years went by, he'd point things out to me, help me to see this is pride. This is humility. This is pride. And one of the things I found out within just a few years is that we had a lot of pride (laughs) in my, my group and my we were proud of this and proud of that. <laughs> pride is not okay. Somebody said, well, you got the, the good pride and the bad. No, there ain't no such thing as good pride. Pride is the nature of the devil himself. It's the nature of the evil one. You can be thankful for things. You can appreciate them. You can be grateful for them, but don't be proud. Are you doing something that's displeasing to God? Amen. And something that is completely unlike Jesus. You can almost hear when you say that, people say, Well, I'm proud of my kids. I don't care what you say. <laughs> well, see, they're your kids. So being proud of them is being proud of yourself. Because they came from you. When Jesus, who's the father's kid, was baptized in the river Jordan and he came up out of the water. You remember what? He said, this is my beloved son. I am so proud of him. So proud of my boy. You should be thankful for your children. Yeah, that's good. Huh? You should appreciate them. Value and be grateful and be thankful. But there is no good kind of pride. That's good. It's all evil. 
And if you want to be like Jesus, you got to identify it and get it out. And it's a process because this flesh didn't get born again. Huh? I thank God for my upbringing, but my folks and my grandparents and my people around me would be the first to tell you they didn't know everything about the things of God, just like we don't know everything about the things of God yet. And and, uh, I grew up thinking what it was to be a man. My uh, great-granddad on my mom's side was shot and killed when he was 21. Then my granddad was shot and killed when he was 21 because they wouldn't back down. And uh, there's several episodes with my granddad on my dad's side. Uh, I mean, he crossed the fence one time with a pocket knife and backed down three guys with guns. It's amazing he wasn't dead. Right? Well, I thought, that's being a man. You don't back down. And the Lord had to help me to see, boy, that's pride. He said, you're not even asking me what to do. You're not listening to me. And so over a period of years, the Lord kept pointing things out to me. That's ugly, Keith. I thought it was being a man. And the Lord said it's ugly to him. Now there's so much to learn about this. But the reason we're talking about it is because it's the key to getting help. This thing called humility. Read it again. What Jesus say? Everybody, all of you, that's laboring and, and heavy loaded. He said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Do you believe the words of the master? Do you believe that no matter who you are, what you've been going through, do you believe Jesus could give you absolute total rest and relief? Hmm? And your ulcers could be healed and your migraines could go away and you could sleep all night. Huh? Do you believe it? And just stop worrying and stop being afraid. Do you believe it could happen? According to Jesus, the head of the church, how is it going to happen? Read the next verse. Take my yoke upon you. You got to learn what his yoke is, what it's not. Learn about me. You got to learn about Jesus. Somebody say, learn about Jesus. Huh? Do you want to learn about Jesus? Huh? Thank God if you learn some things, but is there more to learn about Jesus? Say it out loud because you really mean it. Say, Lord, I desire to learn more about you. Who you really are. What you really are. Teach me about how you are meek. Reveal it to me, please. Hallelujah. And he said, in the process of that, tell me what Jesus said would happen. You will find rest unto your soul. You, it, the stress will come off of you. 
the pressure will come off of you. The, the load, the burdens will come off of you. Hallelujah. And you will find genuine rest, a peace that passes understanding that you cannot find in any pill or bottle or possession or act in this world. You'll find rest unto your souls. He said, for my yoke is what? Is what? Easy. And my burden is? Light. Everybody say light. And easy. Humble. And light. And easy. Humble. And rest. And light. And easy. If it's heavy and it's hard, it's not the Lord's yoke. If it's haughty and it's proud, it's not the Lord. He said, learn about me. Go with me, please, to the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 1. And I'm reading this from the, the New Century Version, NCV. New Century, verse 1, James 4, 1. New century version. He said, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? <laughs> they come from the selfish desires that war within you. You want things, but you do not have them. So you're ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. And you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. Or when you ask, you do not receive because the reason you ask is wrong. You want things so you can use them for your own pleasures. So you're not loyal to God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemy. Do you think the scripture means nothing that says the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone? But God gives even more grace. As the scripture says, God is against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So give yourself completely to God, stand against the devil, and the devil will run from you. Does God have the ability to help anybody? Out of any problem or difficulty. Does he? Bible said come boldly. To the throne of. Grace. That you may obtain mercy. And find grace to help. In the time of need. Now grace. Is. Means. A gift. Everything that God has given us. Is his grace, which means his free gift. But does he give his grace to everybody the same? That's a little weak. Read the verse again. Verse 6. God gives more grace, as the scripture said, but God is against the proud. So do the proud. Get grace. Is that serious? How are you going to make it without the grace of God? 
you're not. Not successfully. Not in the end. The final outcome. Will you be okay without the grace of God? No. No. Does the proud get the grace? No. Another word for grace is help. God's grace is his help that he freely gives us. This help comes in many forms. It comes in the help of revelation, showing you what to do. It comes in the help of favor in situations. It comes in the form of strength in your spirit and in your body. But suffice it to say, you and I need his help every hour of every day. Yes, amen. Which is why before Jesus left, he said, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send you another Comforter, and one of the big names is helper. Another helper. Well, what's the helper sent to do? Why is he inside you 24-7? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. To help you, help you, help you. We have unlimited help inside us in the person and power and knowledge of the grace Of his spirit. But. Whether we act in pride. Or humility. Mm -hmm. Determines whether we get the help. Or we don't. We're on our own. Does everyone. Experience his grace. Some people might not like that statement. Am I reading the Bible. Does God give the proud grace just like he does the humble? According to the Bible, he does not. He actually opposes the proud. Now, get this picture. Not only do you not get help, but you're opposed. You're not going to make it. It's not going to turn out right. Who gets the grace? The humble. Should we be greatly interested in what humility is? Huh? Because with enough of God's help, you can overcome anything. Do you believe it or not? With enough of God's help, you can receive anything. Nothing is too big for you to receive with enough of God's help. Nothing is too hard for you to overcome. No sin, no habit, nothing is too big for you to beat with enough of God's help. Who gets the help? Who gets the help? The ones who are coming to Jesus and seeking to become like him. Can you see this? The ones who are yielding to his spirit and taking on his attributes. And one of, the, one of the master's chief attributes is his humility. Humility. It's got nothing to do with weakness. It has everything to do with honesty and reality. To be humble is to not be phony. <laughs> Are y'all with me? To be humble 
is to be real, to be genuine, to be honest. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You'll find the same thing in other verses. I won't go there right now. But look in Timothy, please. 1 Timothy 1. Will it be okay if I get plain on some things here and there? You know we care about you, right? And everything we say to you applies to us. We're all in the same boat down here. But we must stop playing games and pretending on some things. In 1 Timothy 1 and 5, he says, now the end of the commandment, he's summing up a bunch of things, is charity, we'd say love, out of a pure heart and a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. Faith, say that out loud, please. Faith, faith. unfeigned. unfeigned. Uh, put the Weiss translation up there if you can find that for me as well. What does it mean, unfeigned faith? Well, it means not feigned. In uh, the West, he said, uh, a heart, love out of a heart that's pure, a conscience that's good, and faith which is not assumed, but real. Not assumed, but real. And if you look up that word feign, to me the best word we use to describe it is pretend. So unfeigned would mean not pretend. Why would you need to talk about not pretend faith? Hmm? Because there, if, you, if you're going to talk about not pretend, there must be pretend faith. Pretend faith. Is that a real thing? Y'all going to help me with this or not? (laughs) Pretend faith. Well, how could that be? What what would that be? He mentions it again in 2 Timothy 1.5. Unfeigned faith. He said, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in you. It dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and it dwelt in your mother. Some say Eunice, others say Eunice. I'm persuaded that it's in you too. What's in you? Real faith, the genuine article that's not pretend. Not pretend. Uh, Why would you pretend that you have faith you don't? Why would you pretend that you're, (laughs) y'all know the answer, that that you're at a place that you're not? Now, don't raise your hand, but do you reckon you've ever done that? I I know uh, when Phyllis and I first got started in this, 
over 40 years ago now. First thing we endeavored to believe for was a new car. And uh, we reasoned about it. We needed a car. That was a fact. And uh, we found out that if any two of us would agree as touching anything we asked, it would be done for us. And we just believed that. We just dared to believe that. We thought, well, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's agree together for a car. And then we thought, well, you know, God's a big God. Let's believe for a good car. And then we thought, well, hey, God's a great big God. Let's just believe God for a brand new car. And then we said, hey, God is a really big God. Let's believe for a top of the line, brand new automobile. And so we went over to the dealership and looked at a brand new, what are y'all laughing about? Top of the line car. And, uh, the guy said, uh, how are you going to pay for this? And we said, uh, our father's going to pay for it. <laughs> and so he wants to know, well, who, who's your father? <laughs> we thought, well, we better go now. We don't know what to say after this. So... Now, a lot of that is youth and ignorance, but there's something else there too. Huh? We we don't have to try to get a car like other people do anymore. (laughs) We, We don't have to drive a used car no more. Oh, y'all are quiet. <laughs> Tell me who God helps. The humble. Huh? <laughs> Could we buy and pay for a car? No. Where's our faith at? Have we ever even, had we ever even believed for a payment on a car? No. Ever believed for a 20-year-old used car? No. Ever believe God for a wheelbarrow? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we had not. We just found out about this about two months ago. But here we go. And we just claimed top of the line. Top of the top. Why not? Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. Because that's reasoning, not revelation. And that's not real faith. It's not what faith is based on. Now you all are really quiet. Tell me how faith comes. By hearing. Huh? By finding a scripture. No, sir. By hearing. Huh? By finding out. That something is true. Hmm. By by realizing that faith principles really work. 
No. That won't give you faith to get a car. You have faith that faith works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Huh? How can I get faith? How can Phyllis and I get faith to get a brand new car right now? There's only one way. Faith comes by hearing. Is that right? And hearing by the word of God. And if you look up those words, the word word in that verse is rhema. And the word God is Christ, which means anointed. How does faith come? By hearing the anointed rhema. Is an exact translation. What does that mean? If I'm going to believe for this, I need to have heard from him about this. Not just pull something off the top of my head. No, we didn't know any better. We were young. So, we didn't get the car. <laughs> and uh, months passed. And... and um, so then the Lord dealt with us to go to Ramah. And we went to Ramah. And I'm hearing about faith from some of the best faith teaching on the planet. And several months into this, I remembered that car deal. And I thought, Lord, now everything I'm hearing, it sounds like we were in faith. But it didn't work. Because what we had done after that is we thought we well, got to set a time limit. So we, we claimed it that we'd have it within 30 days. And the 30 days came and went and we didn't have it. And the Lord quickened to me as I'm laying on the floor praying. He said, uh, you were in faith. You were getting in faith, you know, well for where you were. But you set time limits and you didn't hear, didn't hear from him about the particulars. And, and then when the 30 days came and went, we just gave up. He said, go back and pick it up. And this time, don't quit. And he was also beginning to teach us about being led in the specifics. And so I went and talked to Phyllis about it. We did. And two or three years passed. We didn't think about it every day. But when we did think about it, we thanked God for it. And we kept watching for the specific word about the next step to take. Can you see that? The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk. See, you need to hear from the Lord every step of the way. Not just fill in the blanks. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. And I won't go through all the details, but several years later, uh, the Lord moved on a person to contact, to tell us that God had told them to buy us a new car. And we said, what kind? And they said, whatever you want. And so we went, and lo and behold, the one we found that we had to witness about was the, the same brand we had looked at all those years ago. We had almost forgot about it, but it, they said it was sold. It had a big sign on it, said it was sold. 
And so we said, well, you know, if it turns out that it's not, give us a call. They called us the next morning. And we drove it off the showroom floor, paid for it. So it did work. But in those ensuing years, we learned some humility. We learned, am I saying it right, Phyllis? We learned some reality. He's just saying that the soul thing started, he said that started a long time ago. You said it was soul. That's right. We, I don't, we've had a dozen things throughout the ministry. They said it was soul. And that to, that's got to where it's an indication to us that it's ours. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we don't claim other people's stuff, but we're not moved by it, you know. <laughs> But again, how could you have faith to get it? You, you get a general idea of God's goodness and his will from his word. But if you're going to believe specifically for a thing, you need to have heard from the Lord. You can't ignore a relationship with him, communing with him. On a daily regular basis. And acknowledging him in all your ways. And then just checking in. On a regular basis. What about this Lord? What about this? What about this? But I just got through describing humility. Pride assumes. Humility asks. That was one of those things the Lord gave me. About humility. Pride does what? See, we just assume that what I I was saying, it wasn't uh, revelation, it was reasoning. We assumed, well, what about this? What about that? We just kept assuming and assuming. But that, unbeknownst to us, that's pride. Humility realizes I need to ask. I'm not running the show. I'm not my own Lord. I'm not in charge of my life. I have to ask permission. Huh? In all your ways, do what? Wouldn't that be checking in? Asking? Can you do this? I have to ask. Can we get one of these? I have to ask. (laughs) Are we going to go here and do this? You're going to join up with this? I have to ask. I have to ask. You have to ask about everything? Uh Uh-huh. Everything. I have to ask about everything. And I want to ask about everything because there have been several times in the past I didn't ask and it turned out bad. And so I don't want the Lord to let me do stuff anymore. I want to know what he wants me to do. Hallelujah. And I finally figured out I can't even have faith, real faith, for things he didn't tell me about. It's actually a phony faith. It sounds like faith. It looks like faith to people that don't know any different. And how could I know what God told you about that or what he told me? Some of these things, that's between you and the Lord. But unless you've heard from him about that, you cannot have faith. Because the faith comes by hearing. From him. Look with me in in Romans please. 12th chapter. 
Are you okay? Why are we talking about these things? Because people need help. Right? People are in a mess. A lot of problems, a lot of issues. Is it too bad for the Lord to help you out of? It doesn't get too bad for him to help you out of. It doesn't get too bad. I don't care if it seems utterly hopeless. He can do what man calls impossible. There is no restriction. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Come on, say it out loud. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. But yet, even back his first covenant people, it says they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. How would you limit him? You're not limiting what he knows what he can do of himself, but you can limit what he can do for you. And one thing that is limiting is this ugly, stinking, devilish pride. And there's no such thing as a human being that doesn't have to deal with it. And there's no such thing as a Christian that defeated it one day. He said, yeah, I used to have a lot of trouble with pride, you know, but back in 1999, I finally whooped that stuff and hadn't had any trouble. That's the day it won. (laughs) You just hadn't figured it out yet. (laughs) You still got your flesh with you. And so it's part of that. The Bible says don't love the world, 1 John 2, or the things that's in the world. Because all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the what? The pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. Uh, One translation says the showiness of life, the ostentatiousness, the showiness of life. Have you ever wanted to impress somebody? Just look straight ahead and don't raise your hand. But have you ever wanted, really wanted, to impress somebody? And you wound up showing off. Just a little. (laughs) Or quite a bit. Huh? <laughs> and uh, have you ever don't raise your hand just look straight ahead have you ever stretched something to impress have you ever just told a lie <laughs> trying to leave an impression that you were at a place that you weren't that you were, had things on a level that you didn't, that, huh? That is the pride of life, this seeking to impress, seeking to wow, seeking. But it's not true. The biggest thing about pride is that it's, It deals with falseness. It deals with deception. It deals with lies. 
in Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some say worship instead of service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Is this ungodly world full of pride? Oh. Oh. It's everywhere. But don't be molded to that. Don't be like that. Don't act like that. Don't think like that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, us faith people, we know this verse. And we quote the last uh, four words. (laughs) Or the last half sentence. A bunch. But he was talking about humility. And faith. Can you see this? He's talking about humility. He didn't say, don't think highly of yourself. People try to say that. He didn't say that. What did he say? Don't think more highly than you ought to think. Let me read this to you from the Amplified. Are y'all going to be okay? Huh? Yes, just checking on you. Huh? Just a few more minutes and I'm going to let you go and stew on this. And we're going to come back. But we are getting help this week. The Lord's helping us. We're going to get rid of the blocks and limitations that have held back much needed grace. Much needed help. And with enough help, you can reach goals you've been wanting to reach for 30 years. With enough of God's grace and help, you can get into things that seem like you just hadn't been strong enough or able to for decades. But not everybody gets this kind of grace. The proud don't get it. They get opposed. They get resisted. I don't want to be opposed. I don't want to be resisted. I want to be helped. Do you need God's help? Come on, do you? Every hour. No. Every millisecond. Of every hour. Of every day. Yes, we do have him. But we need to realize we do need him. We never just need to say, God, I got this. I'll take it from here. Now you're laughing. That happens all the time. All the time. Why? By just simply not even checking in. 
Just making your plan, doing it, never asking, never checking. But you're saying, Holy Spirit, you're there. If I need something, I'll let you know. But I I got this. I've been doing this for a long time. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, Look at the Amplified. By the grace given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate or think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. Now, that's that's wordy, but he's saying be realistic in your assessment of yourself in regards to your faith. In uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, don't turn there, stay, stay here with me in Romans, but 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says the same thing. Excuse me, verse 5, it said, examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own self. Am I there? Don't imagine you're at a place you're not. That is not real. (laughs) Don't pretend. Hmm? Pretending lets the enemy in. Pretending allows stealing, killing, and destroying. We have lost too many people that died prematurely of sickness and disease who could have been helped with medical science. Y'all with me or not? But, and I'm I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, I'm talking generally. I don't have any individual in mind. There are, man can't heal you. But there are things that medical science can do. Can help you. And there are a lot of people in our camps, Word and Faith people, that have chosen not to use these things. And then after a period of months or years, things had progressed so far that they, they died early and young. And we've seen it work the other way. Well, did God let them down? Huh? No. Did the word fail? No. No. Did faith not work? Did the faith of God not work? No. No way. But can you pretend that you're at a place that you're not? We got too many folks in our churches that don't work. Pretending 
They have faith to be supplied for without working. While mooching off of other people that they've convinced is supposed to help them. This is thinking more highly of where you are than you actually are. Than what is the measure of faith that you've, that's been ministered to you and that you're actually walking in. I know uh, I had a, I was in, up in another state recently ministering, and uh, we had a meal afterwards and I met several ministers. And this one brother came over, he really blessed me. He said, uh, he said, Brother Keith, my wife, uh, I think it was three, four years ago, was diagnosed with a really fast-spreading terminal cancer. And they, part of our bunch, and Rhema people, and Word and Faith people, and he said, so uh, my, my wife decided, and she's going to stand, and wasn't going to go to the doctor, and wasn't going to use any treatments. And, and uh, so he said, it, it bothered me. And I'm doing my best staying with her, but something just kept bothering me. And he said, we heard you were speaking over about 150 miles away. And said, I asked her, I said, do you want to go over and be in Brother Keith with the meeting? Yeah, I do. So he said, they went over. And I didn't know they were there. I didn't recognize them. Those classes in Raymond were big. And, and uh, he said, you came over and stood in front of us and stayed there half the night. Talking about fear and how that you've got to get rid of the fear. You've got to overcome the fear or you're not in faith. And I talked about doing this. I I never knew it. But he said half the service you stood in front of us. And he said so we left and we got to talking and other people are saying oh yeah just do this and do this. He said it ain't their wife. Well, can God do it without it? Yes, and put you on the moon in a blink of an eye. <laughs> but you don't receive according to what God can do. What did Jesus tell people right and left that he ministered to? Huh? He never told them you received according to what God can do. According to your faith. So he said they went home and and he and 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 she said yeah I, I hadn't been able to shake this fear he said me either and that was what was bothering him and so they're making good confessions but this fear is just on them night and day they they hadn't got it and so they talked about it well what if we do this and they checked their heart do I have confidence? That I'll be okay not doing this? Or do I have more confidence that if I do this, I'll be okay? Where's my confidence? And where do I shake the fear off? And really get in a genuine expectation that we're coming out of this, right? We're, We're living and not dying. But see, there's this stigma. In word and faith circles. Huh? 
about ever going to the doctor, about having a surgery, about having medicine, or if you borrowed any money, or on and on and on. So, people hide it. Hide it. They hide their symptoms and make confessions. That's not faith. They hide their bills and make confessions. That's not faith. There is no room in faith for pride. There's no room for it. Because faith is not independence. I don't need anything. Faith is complete dependence on God. Come on, can you see this? And so I'm checking in here with him every day about everything. Do I take this medicine? Do I not take this medicine? Hmm? Well, it's God, God don't have to have it. That's not how you make your decision. That's reasoning. Well, God can do anything. That's reasoning. That's not revelation. And that's not direction for what you're to do right now. If you don't need it, you will know you don't need it. Yeah, that's good. Amen. Come on, can you see? You'll have such confidence. You won't be balled up in fear every day after you made the decision not to use it. I asked you, could I get plain on some things? You said yes. Are you okay? Tell me who gets the help. What's another way of saying humble? And honest. Honest. Read, read this again. 12.3. I'm reading the BBE. BBE says, To every one of you I say through the grace given to me, not to have an over high opinion of himself, but to have wise thoughts as God has given to everyone a measure of faith. Your thoughts, well, the, the new NIV reader's version, if we can find that or I'll just read it to you. Uh, the NIRV, God's grace has been given to me. So here's what I say to every one of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Be reasonable when you think about yourself. Now, don't just stop there. Keep in mind the amount of faith God has given to you. Thank you. Or we could say that what you have done with the measure of faith that you were given and where you're at in its development. That's, can you see these are connected about not thinking more highly of yourself and in, in connected with where your faith is? There's so much pretending going on so much hiding and the thing is you will not get to help you won't get to help hiding and pretending and covering the uh the man told me he was sitting at the table and his wife was there with him beautiful healthy he said, we took the treatments, we did the thing, we used our faith on every one of them. She's 100% clear. They said she'd be dead two or three years ago. We're in the ministry together. That's a victory. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Now, I've seen them the other way with no human involvement, but both of them's a victory. And both of them is faith. She's using her faith every treatment. She's using her faith every medication. She's using her faith. But they, they shook that fear off. And they found out where they really were. Not where they wanted to be. Where they are. And you know. <laughs> huh. Somebody say thank you Lord. For helping us. Thank you Lord. For helping us. Thank you, Lord, 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 for helping us. You you have to acknowledge when the confidence is just not there right now for that. Doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have it. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Doesn't mean you can't get there. Even soon. But if if the confidence is not there. You don't pretend. That it's there. I heard somebody say. Well you you just fake it. Till you make it. No. No you don't. There is no fake in God. No pretend, no phony, only real, right? Genuine, real. Oh, hallelujah. And you'll find, when you find your real, where my faith really is, it's exciting. Because now it's going to work. Huh? And... You find out when you start using it and you, and you get a victory here. And it might not be the biggest victory anybody's ever heard of. But it's a victory. Next thing you know, you can, your confidence is bigger than it used to be. You can believe for bigger things and greater things. And next thing you know, you're believing for bigger stuff. And you find out the people that claimed they had all the big stuff, they were pretending. <laughs> and you have already grown. And are in a position to do more for others. I want you to sit out loud. No pretending. No phony. No fake. True humility. True honesty. Between me and the Lord. Between me and myself. Between me and other people. I don't care who people are. They come and say, you know, agree with me on this. Believe with me on this. You don't just pray. You check your heart. It does you no good to pray and not get results. It actually hurts your faith. Be honest enough to tell people, well, uh, man, you know, if you got the faith for that, go for it. I can't say I'm there right now. But what does it take to say that? <laughs> you you got you gotta humble yourself. Is that right? 
You got to humble yourself. <laughs> I'm trying to close, but it seems like I'm not quite done. There's so much more. And we, you're coming back tomorrow, is that right? You're coming back tomorrow night? And, and we all, we will be here all week. Is that right, Billy? Billy John? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell you this story. And uh, then I think we'll close. Uh, the first airplane we believed for was a big step of faith for us. It was a very small airplane, but a giant step of faith for us. Uh, people had offered to teach me to fly years prior to this, and I turned them down. I thought I was too busy, and I didn't, I didn't think I should do it. And finally, 19, the end of 1995, the Lord began to deal with me about learning how to fly. And I just ignored it for a little while. You ever done that? <laughs> and finally, by the end of 95, getting into 96, now, at the beginning of 96, I realized if I don't do something with this, I'm just going to be disobedient. I'll just be ignoring the Lord. And I thought, well, I, I know better than that, so... I went to find out where I could learn how to fly, and I didn't know nothing about it, didn't know anybody that knew anything about it. And I went out, and uh, this guy, well, I, I knew Brother Copeland flew, I should say that. But, you know, at, th- at that point, we hadn't spent time together. And, um, so I found some people that said they'd show me how to fly, and so I'd been taking some lessons. And a friend of mine had a, a successful company, and he bought a little plane. He said, well, brother, he said, brother Keith, use my plane to learn how to fly in. Oh, great. So it didn't cost me anything. And, and I got my private. And, and so Phyllis and I realized we should believe for a plane. And so they made a little single-engine plane, very small little plane, one-engine propeller, a Bonanza, which is a very nice little single-engine plane, but very small. And uh, we, we claimed one of those. And then we found out that, that Brother Kenneth Copeland had one of those. And, of course, his was primo. I mean, way up here. And so we talked to him about it. And, and they felt like it was, if we wanted to buy it from them, that'd be fine. They'd let it go at a, a good price. And, and so we claimed the money. And we got in faith about it, best we knew how. And we did believe we had heard from the Lord to believe for this. And we didn't have basically any of the money. And so they said they'd believe with us. And so we did. And we, we had built up, I don't know, over $50,000 and over months. And everything was going real good. And, and um, it was about time to go take delivery of it and and... I I thought that the Lord was dealing with me to sow that to somebody and and just believe for the whole thing to come in, and so I did. And it come time to go pick up the plane, and we didn't have the money, any of it, and the part we had was now gone. 
And so Phyllis and I got on the airliner and flew down to their place. We're supposed to take delivery of the plane. And uh, it was a long trip. And they came in from somewhere else, and we were just meeting them at the hangar, and you could tell they were busy, and they were tired. And, and we knew them a little bit, but not much. We just mostly admired them from afar, and, and we were getting to know them. And uh, so uh, he shows up, and he's, you know, celebrating us <laughs> with us to getting to the plane. And, and uh, I said, Brother Kenneth... We don't have the money. Oh man, I could tell. This put him in an uncomfortable place. Because they already had another deal going. And they were going to use you know, this plus other to get a different plane. And uh, the time is here. It's now. He said, well, how much, how much of it do you have? And I said, uh, none. And I felt bad. But what do you do? What do you do? Help me out. Is it time for a story? (laughs) Is it time for me to tell how, how I had a bunch of it, but how God told me to sow his money? To somebody else. Someone said, well, how you know he didn't? Because it would have been there. Y'all with me or not? It would have been there. What's it time to do? Humble myself. Who's going to humble me? Me. If I don't humble me, it won't happen. And see, this is where people, they get belligerent. They get defensive. Can, can you see this? Why? Because your pride's hurting. And because you're, where your faith actually is, is showing up. And you've been pretending. I hung my head. Is this how you want your relationship with your some of your faith heroes to start off? <laughs> We're out there in his wonderful hangar. Plane's right over there. <laughs> he wants us to have it. We agreed on a prize. Everything's a good deal. All that seems right. We don't have the money. I said, I'm sorry, Brother Kenneth. I'm sorry. I wanted to cry, man. (laughs) But tell me who gets the help. Tell me. Who can God help you out of any situation? What's a few thousand dollars to him? Huh? Huh? How quick could he make this happen? Right? I mean, but what would hinder Phyllis and I from it? Huh? Hiding? Pretending? 
And God forbid, lying. Lying. I've had preachers look me right in the eye and lie about money that they didn't know I knew about. Trying to save embarrassment, fear, and pride. I said, Brother Kenneth, I'm I am so sorry. I, my voice was breaking. I'm about to bust out crying. He reached over. Oh, what a man of God. He reached over. He put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Keith, I've been right where you are. I've been right where you are, boy. Don't you worry about it. We will believe God together on this. It'll be fine. The deal is still going through. I hugged him. I said, thank you. Thank you, sir. And Phyllis and I left and what was supposed to be our inaugural flight and our first airplane is back on American Airlines and <laughs> with peanuts and <laughs> and I, I had to cast the care of it over on the Lord the whole way because I'm thinking, man, what a fool you 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 acted, kid. I mean, yeah, and you just want to beat yourself up, and the enemy will come because you're you're beating yourself, and he'll say, he'll say, no, don't use that hammer, use my hammer. <laughs> he will hand you a sledgehammer, and between you and him, you will beat your brains out. But but why is this so hard on me? Because of how much pride is still there. Why did I think I was at such a high place of faith? How did I get there? Huh? And then I couldn't have misheard and imagined that at the last minute, I'll just sow it all and leave for more. Ain't no problem for me. But it was a problem. But thank God, just in the in less than a year, it all came in. Thank you, Praise God. Oh, and because of the Copeland's gracious mercy, kindness, friendship, they not only stayed with us and helped us and even sewed into it, and, but then they helped us with the maintenance on it and encouraged me how to fly and next thing you know we took that little plane and we flew all over the country we flew coast to coast we we flew and we flew and we flew but I was more careful on the next deal (laughs) huh (laughs) and uh, you know more watchful about asking the Lord, huh? Yes. What to do yes. and how to do it and acknowledging Him in every step. And now in just a few years, we've come all the way from that to international yes. ability. Yes. Anywhere in the world, everything paid for. Yes. 
Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And the Lord did it. He did it. And even though our faith wasn't there quite for the single plane, the way we were trying, we did it at that moment, he helped us get there. We didn't quit. We didn't, with the encouragement of our elders and friends, huh? We admitted, well, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. We admitted, well, I need to come on up a little more. We admitted, I need to feed my faith. We need to exercise more. And we got there within another year. And then we went further and further and further. But if the enemy could have got us to get so embarrassed and so ashamed, Come on, can you see yeah, yeah. that we just made a bunch of excuses and messed up our relationship with them because, uh, I mean, they're prophets. And if we'd have stood there and lied to them, the Lord would have shown them. And then we would have been messed up. Not that they wouldn't have forgiven us, but it just, the proud don't get the help. Yeah, that's good. They don't get the grace. But if you'll humble yourself... And just tell the truth when it makes you look bad. <laughs> huh? You remember the, 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 the Syrophoenician woman who, who's had the daughter and she followed after Jesus and called after him and he said, it's not right to take the children's bread, cast it to the dogs. You, you remember her response? Yeah. Truth, Lord. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, if the Lord calls you a dog, what do you say? Bow wow. Bow wow. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> he ain't trying to hurt you. Is that right? Because Syrophoenicians, they lived like dogs. God, the Lord wasn't trying to hurt her. But can you see, man, she humbled herself and she said, she said, yeah, you know, but you know, even the pups under the table. I mean, they get scraps and, and that's all I need. I, I, I know, I know we were Syrophoenicians live like dogs, most ungodly folks you ever saw. I know, I know, I know. But, Throw the pup a scrap. Throw the pup. <laughs> and he said, I hadn't seen great, great faith like this. Be it unto you. Miracle happened in her bedroom back home. Come on, can you see that? But if she'd have got mad, she'd have flew into a rage. She'd have told him off, gave him a piece of her mind. She would have got no help and no healing, no deliverance. Stand on your feet, everybody. Everybody lift your hands. Hallelujah. Phyllis, would you come here and join me, please? Let's act on this word. Let's humble ourselves. Let me lead you in a prayer and pray in the Spirit for a moment. Say it out loud Father God, you are so great, so perfect. I am completely dependent on you every moment of every hour of every day 
I can't get things right without your help. I cannot be successful, victorious without your help. Forgive me for pride. I seek your face. I humble myself under your mighty hand. I submit myself to your spirit, your word, Jesus' lordship. I purpose to yield to you, acknowledge you, ask you, look to you continually. Thank you for leading me. O bono sela kavi. Ej dom yani mele sota fara breaks. As gana mala play mon jona vaba karik breaks. Ej demo in the line manta. Le so fail path pelo bade bane of my society bane. Keso shana bay shana bay. Shana Bay, Shana Bay. Oh, I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. Yield myself to the unction. Yield myself. I yield myself. To the Holy Spirit, I will let you be my God.